0: Welcome to the Therapist Rising podcast, where we share real, raw, and behind the scenes stories and lessons from therapists who are thinking outside the traditional clinical box and choosing to do things differently in their careers. I'm your host, Dr. Hayley Kelly, and I myself have made the journey from a very experienced but super burnt out and unhappy clinical psychologist turned successful entrepreneur who now runs a business she loves, is thriving financially, and working and living life on her own terms. Join me and be inspired as we speak to other therapists who too are broadening their horizons and experiencing more abundance, joy, and fulfillment than ever before. Together, we will laugh, soak up priceless wisdom, and take actionable steps to help you transition from clinical practice to non-clinical offers and diversify and amplify your income all the while honing your well-being and having work-life balance. If you're ready to be inspired and take action towards your dreams, then you are in the right place. This is the Therapist Rising Podcast. Welcome back to the Therapist Rising Podcast. And as I sit here today recording this little snippet, um, it's really interesting because I've been contemplating what we call uh, what we call in the industry, what we call in the industry an origin story and when we talk about our origin stories we're talking about the story that helps the audience to understand why you you know why you are the perfect person to lead them to guide them to show them, to allow you to be the expert right so these origin stories are supposed to showcase or demonstrate that we've got the necessary skills experience uh, qualifications and results that we could effectively help people to achieve their results that's why they're coming to us right and part of these origin stories is about sharing those really vulnerable parts of your story where you know, for most of us, we've probably hidden. <laughs> we, we probably don't tell many people. Um, they're usually the lowest points of our lives uh, or some really pivotal moments where we've been in deep suffering or deep pain and we've managed to find our way out. And certainly not for everyone, but for a lot of us, it's the thing that, um, you know, it's those experiences that usually Lead us to working in the thing that we're working in, right? And with my guest, we're talking about her experiences with bowel cancer and navigating um, the experiences of bowel cancer. For me, my experiences, my own origin story deeply reflects some of my own mental health issues, some of the struggles that I've come up against with. burnout and compassion fatigue and how that affected me mentally, physically, spiritually, emotionally. And that's not something that I've told a lot of people. And to think about my story and centering my story has been something I've really struggled with. And as I'm coming up to the eve of my next group program launch my origin story is going to be part of the launch process, right? Helping people to understand why they should come and work with me as a business coach, how I can help them, how I've been exactly where they've been. And the idea of, again, opening that up is really scary. And if you resonate with that, particularly if you're a therapist, because, you know, I've said it multiple times and I'll say it again, the us part of therapy is beaten out of us very, very early in our training. You know, it's not about us. It's about the client. Don't ever center yourself. Don't ever put too much of yourself into the process. And it's done with, you know, with good reason. They're not arbitrary lessons that we learn along the way, but it does make it very difficult then when we start to move into this sort of more entrepreneurial space where more of us is on display and we become more visible grappling with some of you know the unlearning is really tough then the episode that I've recorded with Sally and has just really inspired me and I honestly hope that you, you listening to this really inspires you to do the same that it's through our lessons through our heartbreak through our struggles through our pain and being able to move through that that people connect people connect with us As human beings us as the struggle us as human suffering and to not shy away from your story you know the depth of your story is the thing that's going to pull people in the most right it's not the strategy that you use it's not how beautiful your tiles look on social media it's the your ability to connect deeply and vulnerably with your audience That's not to say that you have to just lay it all to bear and feel like you've just stripped naked in front of a crowd of a thousand. But, you know, learning how much of me can I put in this that is really beneficial for helping people to make a decision about am I the right person to work with, I think this interview is going to be really helpful for you. I hope you enjoy listening to it just as much as I enjoyed recording it. And if you did, please don't forget to drop me a review. And share the love. We love reviews, but we also love telling people. So if you get anything from this, please pass it on to people who you think will benefit from it just as much as you have and I have um, through my conversation with Sally Ann. All right. Hi, welcome back to the Therapist Rising podcast. I'm really excited about this conversation. The guest that I'm speaking to today, who I'll introduce in a moment, We've been in contact virtually, this is the first time we've actually spoken, (laughs) we've been in contact virtually for the last couple of months and I've sort of been watching uh, from the sidelines as, you know, her business continues to unfold and all of the amazing things that she's bringing into the world and I'm just really inspired about her journey through all of um, her struggles, her suffering, her experiences and the wisdom in that. Um, So I'm really excited about this conversation. I want to introduce you to Sally-Ann Creel. Sally, welcome to the Therapist Rising podcast.
1: Thank you so much, Hayley, for having me on. Um, It's really fantastic to come on podcasts like yours and sort of share our journey as we um, transition into something new, moving on from that clinician space and moving into something different. It's really exciting.
0: I could not agree more. I feel as though the more that we as clinicians can hear about the adventures and journeys of other clinicians, it instills a sense of the road being travelled by other people so that it sort of takes away the scary factor of, oh, my God, I'm doing this alone. I'm going where no man has ever ventured before. It sort of takes that out of it.
1: Yeah, it's, um,
0: I think when we go
1: through traditional university model into the clinical space, often we're um, left thinking that really the face-to-face, um, one, one-to-one patient scenario is all that there is. But as we um, go through our journey in a little bit more detail, meet other people such as yourself, Haley, we get to find that there's a whole new world out there and I think um, the online space, uh, COVID, forcing us to do things a little bit differently as well, the emergence of group programs, mentoring, teaching, you know, there's this whole other world, uh, which can be a little bit scary when, when we first step into it, but there
0: is this whole other space if we're willing to explore it. I completely agree with you. And we will certainly open up that um, more as we progress through our conversation but why don't you start with telling everyone a bit about you and what you're bringing into the world.
1: Sure so uh, my clinical background is that I'm a registered nurse and I've been a registered nurse now for over 20 years which is fantastic and uh, my professional journey changed three years ago when I had my own experience as a patient. So I was 38 years old and I had an 18-month-old and a three-year-old and I was uh, diagnosed with an early bowel cancer. So that was a um, what I describe, I guess, as my biggest um, self-development professional de- development learning course Um, in itself and really I guess from there I had quite a tricky recovery it took me uh, probably about 12 months to get through uh, my journey as a patient before I was ready and well enough to come back to work and over that process really I um, underwent this personal transformation where where I thought you, you know what I have uh, really great skills I've got this new life perspective um, I've become a patient now and I know what it's like and I know what can really help patients in this space I want to do something more so I guess that was the beginning of my journey into moving into something new still using my clinical skills and all of my um, professional um experience up until to that time and I began to write Haley. so that that was I guess the first step was just writing and sharing my journey out into the wider audience um, it was very closed and safe you know I would just um, give a few people uh, the, the details the, the link to, to my blog but then really As time went on, I realized after I started to share my words and experience with other people who were also in my position, so with a cancer diagnosis, particularly women and women with younger children, I I realized that I had something um, quite special there that I could help women to navigate their own cancer recovery with more ease. And that really was about sharing really good and quality information about how to make their journey
0: easier. Wow, <laughs> that's, that's a lot. <laughs> so not only navigating the throes of early motherhood, but thrown into the mix, a cancer diagnosis at a really young age. I don't know a whole lot about bowel cancer, but 38 sounds very, very young for a bowel cancer diagnosis.
1: Yeah, so 1 in 10 people are diagnosed
0: under the age of 50 in Australia.
1: and Wow yeah so that's that's quite high really um and 15,200 Australians are diagnosed each year with bowel cancer so I'm one um one of those one in 10 people under the age of 50 who are diagnosed and um a lot of younger patients have the same experience that I did which is um being told exactly that you know you're, you're too young to have bowel cancer um why are you here that that sort of thing. So. I guess that's another element of um, the work that I do in terms of advocacy, uh, raising awareness, particularly around um, just the general community in terms of early awareness, but also in the clinical space um, because obviously the earlier we're diagnosed, the the better our patient outcomes. So that's really important.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I, for one, had no idea. Like to me, bowel cancer, it sounds like an, older person's disease yeah yeah that's and really that's so really surprising
1: yeah that's um a common um uh, perception
0: yeah absolutely so I can understand why advocacy then becomes such an important issue because I consider myself fairly well educated and I had no idea so I'm assuming yeah. this is not really well-known information yes you're right
1: yeah it's um, some something that we need to hear more about, share more stories about. So mm-hmm. my personal story, we know that um, through sharing stories, um, it really helps people to un- understand um, get that information to stick a-, a little bit more rather than a statistic. Um, and that, that's really, really, really important. So that's a big part of the, the work that I do through social, social media and also through speaking to people like you as well. It's really a really great opportunity to help share that, that message.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I really want to get, get into the story element of that a bit mm-hmm. more with you in a minute. But can you take, take us back to that switch from when you went from being clinician to patient? What was the, what was that transition like for you? What was the journey like of being a patient? How did that all unfold for you?
1: I think, um, Haley, it was quite an eye opener. You know, being on that other side of the clinical desk, on the other side of the bedside, I often describe it as, and just the vulnerability and lack of power. So the whole power shift um, when you put on that patient gown, when you're in that bed uh connected to lots of fluids and drains and feeling pretty rotten um how disempowering that experience actually was and having that feeling of I can't control this and there are lots of wonderful very clever people running around and looking after me um but I don't really know what they're, they're doing and I just have to trust that they're doing the right thing and of course as Clinicians, that's what we do every day. We um, bring our best and we look, look after our people um, with expertise, but um, we don't often stop to think about how that person is feeling all the time. Um, and that that was really quite, um, I guess, confronting for me in terms of the vul- vulnerability and just letting myself be uh, and be cared, cared for. I think as well... Um, even though I was really experienced clinically, um, I was quite unwell at the, the time, of course. So I wasn't thinking as, as straight as what I would us- usually be. And just giving myself permission to step into that patient space was, it was really important. So as I mentioned, you know, just putting my trust in the health professionals who, who were around me and letting them do their job and, knowing I guess that it's okay to have questions, it's okay to not know um, and just finding some su- surrender and acceptance there.
0: Mm. Gosh, yes, I can imagine there would have been a fair dose of surrender and acceptance in that experience yeah. for you yeah, in Bucket At what point or was there a point did it become clear to you that there's something more here for me to learn in terms of growth, transformation and where you want to take that. Was there a specific moment in time or did it sort of more slowly, Peter, <laughs> across the across that experience for you? I
1: think um, I guess prior to this experience I've always been a clinician who was very, I guess, patient-client focused, always quite um. In terms of the patient advocacy as well, I was always one of those uh, clinicians who would say, what about this? Have, have we actually asked the, the person, um, are we doing the, the right thing here? Is this what they actually want? So that that was always, I guess, part of me and what, what I brought to the cl- clinician table anyway. Um, but what I realised was in terms of uh, transformation and just going back to the surrender and acceptance part, was that I had uh, many uh, returns to hospital after my first surgery. So I'd gone back to hospital three times and um, I realised at that point that I wasn't getting better doing what I was doing. So the traditional things of uh, rest, recovery, medication, diet, you know, that sort of it wasn't getting me to where I needed to be. I was still unwell. So I really thought I needed to let go of um, that attachment, I guess, to what I thought my recovery should look like, what it was meant to look like in terms of the textbook. So that was a massive learning for me. Of course, we know that not everybody follows a textbook recovery, but being watching it clinically and watching it from your own perspective in your own skin are two very different things. And I realised then um, that I really had to work on my mindset, so coming to that place of acceptance and controlling what what I could, which was my thoughts and my feelings. And that, I guess, began my uh, really um, deep personal self-development. It also showed me intimately that often in healthcare we focus on the physical alone and we might talk a little bit about uh, you should really see a psychologist, um, That that's an option for you, but we don't give it the same weighting as what we do, the physical components of care. And that was really important for me um, to step back and look at that. And I, I guess as well, um, watching my husband as a carer uh, and what he was experiencing and the, the challenges that he went through of, of working, caring for, for me, caring for two young children, and just that re- realisation that for younger people who are un- unwell, there isn't a lot of support available. So most of the uh, funding, most of the um, therapy and home care, for example that we think about traditionally in uh, cancer medicine is geared towards the older adults. So I guess all of those things combined uh, and through a lot of trial and error in my own healthcare journey and I guess treating myself and sort of case managing myself, I thought, you know what, I can help people with this information. There are just a few key things that if I can share this, it will make someone else's journey easier.
0: Yeah, my gosh. Mm. What were the mindset stuff you've alluded to a couple of times now um, about going inwards and really shifting from sort of, I guess, the physical and the clinical aspect of the disease mm. to really focusing inward? What did that look like for you and what did you find? I am. Um,
1: so, what it was for, for me really was about uh, I was unwell and I was for um, an undetermined period of time. So I couldn't rush and hurry my recovery, which meant that I had to find um, snippets of joy in my day to today, re- regardless of how I was feeling physically. And that's a huge um, undertaking and a challenge, you know, when you're feeling so un- unwell. So I realised that working on how I felt was really Im- important Em- emotionally, so I just began to um, bring in some really basic, basic things. So, um, just U- YouTube TED Talks, for example, daily journaling, um, just sitting down and writing how how I was feeling, um, how how I wanted the day to actually go. So, bringing in those tools, for example, scripting. Um, Thinking about just positive um, music, for example, and then working on the reframe. So, although I was um, having to do a lot of parenting from the, the lounge or from the bedside, um, I would reframe that in terms of, well, this allows me to spend more time with my chil- children, you know, time that I wouldn't have otherwise had. This allows me the time to sit and think and focus on what it is that I want to do. In the future. So the reframe, the just filling my everyday with positive snips of inf- information was incredibly powerful. And it was, I guess, a self enforced crash course on improving my, my own mindset, mm-hmm. um, which was
0: quite a journey. Yeah, I can imagine that you've hit on something I think is really important there around changing perspective, like Mm sidestepping out of the norm, the patterns that we get into, the habits, the mind habits that we get into around how we see the world and how we interact with the world. And you taking this journey is really, I guess, um, as you said, to use your words, been a a bit of a crash course in Mm -hmm. redefining your perspective.
1: Yeah. And I think um, when I would... I I had a lot of realisations, for example, um, the sheer act of worrying isn't actually going to fix the situation Um, and the worrying about the unknown. So those were two really big um, mantras, I guess, that I would take away. And I would do with that a lot of visualisations as well. So how would I want my future to look? Um, what did I want to happen at my next uh, medical appointment in terms of getting results, those sorts of things. Um, Of course, I had a really great um, cancer psychologist as well who was really um, key and important. And what I found was I had to still do a whole lot of work at home. You know, it wasn't just going to be I would see um, a medical specialist, a GP and a cancer psychologist you know there was still a whole lot of work that needed to happen with me at home.
0: Yes gosh yes and I'm going to pick one particular thing that you said there and really hone in on it um, around how you've approached this in the way of how can I visualize my future experiences in a way that I feel control over and what do I want that to look like so as opposed to being the victim of circumstance or even just a passenger really taking this active stance and it reminds me a lot of um, people like Dr Joe Dispenza Mm. who are doing all of this amazing research around the idea that perception how you perceive reality creates the reality creates the intention of how you perceive that thing to be. And I can imagine you shifting that did a lot in terms of your journey.
1: Yeah, it did. Um and I love the work of Joe Dispenser as well. And um and I think it is really important as well, as as we all know, to allow ourselves that period of grief. Um, and it absolutely is a cycle. So I did go through that period of this is unfair, this is terrible, what about my children? You know, I went through all of that and that um, the deep, dark sort of soul thoughts of why and supported myself through that in terms of that that's okay. But then I realised that that actually isn't a solution. That is something that was sort of part of, I, I guess, the, the life cycle of change and I had to go through it. But then it wasn't getting me to where I needed to, to be and no amount of this isn't fair and my symptoms, are uh, um, I, I guess, um, very difficult to, to manage and fears around the future, so that future fear, um, wasn't going to, to get me any better and that's when I forced myself. It, it, it was, I guess, a shake-up where I sort of stepped out of myself, looked at myself and went, well, you need to change here because your situation will not change unless you do. And the way that you need to change is the way that you approach your, your mental health and your mind um, approach. So I talk a lot about my mindset and the importance of mindset. Um, and I think we need to see a lot more of, um, I guess, pe- people showing their, sharing their story to, to show us how, how important my mindset is in terms of re-
0: recovery. Success, well-being—you know—all of those important things in in life. Yeah, absolutely. And you're echoing what the research shows, right, in terms of yeah. um, patient outcomes and the ability for our mindset to influence outcomes. Yes, yeah. Which is incredible. How did that shift things for you? So when you when you sort of realised. You know, you had that almost out-of-body experience where you sort of were like, okay, wake-up call. I need to change something. here. I need to work on me in order to get through this experience that I'm having. How did things unfold after that, after that realisation, after you started doing this work? How did things change? I think
1: um, it allowed me, as I mentioned earlier, to find those snippets of joy Mm. a lot easier and I really am a big believer on what you focus on grows uh, and we hear a lot about that in self-development and it allowed me to start to find those really lovely things that would then become more lovely things. So um, also allowing me capacity. So by um, not focusing on all of the things that were really, really hard, I then had more brain power bandwidth to to start seeing all of the great things which allowed me that space to to think about what is it that I do want to actually be doing so letting go of the you know the guilt the pain the sadness um left that I guess um spot where where I could think about other things which were new and exciting
0: Mm. I, I love that reframe it's absolutely magical why didn't you just go back to nursing? So um,
1: I, I am still nursing but in a different space and I guess what, where I am now and what I have been slowly transitioning into is to find um, work that is going to help people on a broader scale, um, greater impact. And I think, Hayley, um, when we have that drive And I guess that universal messaging, whatever you want to call it, um, you know, and when you're very um, passionate about what what you do and you want to help people on a bigger, broader scale, you know that you have to do something a little bit different. Um, And stepping out of traditional, uh, I I guess, um, hospital type work allows you to do that.
0: I could not agree more with it, there, Sally. Hi there, friend. I'm so sorry to interrupt the amazing conversation that is happening right now, but I just wanted to quickly tune in and let you know of the amazing training that we have available currently on our website. We know that you want to step away from the clinical space and build a business on your own terms, but we also know that you probably don't know where to begin, right? so normal and like any other journey embarking on a new adventure it can be super confusing and sometimes scary and so that's why we've created a map for you and to top it off it's free of course introducing to you a therapist guide to diversifying your clinical practice and creating a one to many offer it's a free video workshop with an accompanying workbook that will teach you the 6 steps to creating an abundant and successful non-clinical business that you love. So whether you wanna create an online workshop, webinars, retreats, small in-person group programs, evergreen digital offers, coaching services, or whatever your heart desires, this free workshop is gonna light your way forward and bring your journey into the six simple to execute but transformational steps that you need. If you want immediate access right now, So that you can start building your non-clinical business of your dreams, head over to www.therapistrising.com forward slash training to get access now. And now back to the conversation. But with that comes lots of complications, both perceived and real, especially Mm. when you're a health professional, right? So we're in heavily regulated fields. Uh, mm. We have governing bodies that monitor pretty much everything that we do. And I guess stepping out of the ordinary into the less than ordinary is really scary. did you did you have any fears about doing that?
1: Yeah, yeah, definitely. I mean, I think a lot of um The self-development work that I had done had helped me to prepare for that. Um, The the worrying about might not even happen, but good good planning. So planning is really important. Getting the the right advice early is really important as well. Um, For for me, I am stepping into a different space where I'm not um, face-to-face as a registered nurse. So I'm using my clinical background, skills and training into my current um, so I'm practising in a different way. So moving into a, co- a coaching space rather than a clinical space and I guess there, there's quite a lot of differences there. Um, understanding the APRA reg- regulations is really important. Um, so getting some clear advice around that is is key as well.
0: Yeah. Definitely. Were you concerned at all about what your fellow colleagues would think? Ah. Uh, Yes and no. I mean, I think I've got a lot of um,
1: very supportive people around me who uh, like what I'm doing in terms of supporting other patients. And because I'm not doing anything that's controversial, you know, I'm helping people uh, to hear the, the right information that is, I guess, well known and respected by experts. It's just about helping people to access that information, and also through sharing my personal story as a good news story is really helpful. So that's important. Um, I think for me, it's about just having that, um, being clear on the, the information that I'm giving and sharing the, the right content that is really helpful.
0: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. How I I'm so. One of the things I love about following along with your social media posts in particular is your dedication to vulnerability. is probably the, the best way I can describe it. You are so dedicated but also incredibly good at giving people glimpses into your recovery, the good, the bad, and the ugly, not just the recovery, but the entire journey. Mm-hmm. And I think that's one of the things as health professionals, it's very quickly beaten out of us. Yeah. <laughs> it's not yeah. about you. It's, your, it's about your patient. It's about your client and removing as much of us as possible from the process. Yeah. What was that like for you starting that blog post initially and sharing that? that's such a lovely compliment Hayley thank you so
1: much You're welcome. Um, and I'm really glad that that um uh, comes through I I still remember sitting down and writing my first few blog posts and even now when I do share some of the content it is uh quite emotional for me and part of it I guess is still a part of my own therapy which is really Im- important for, for me um I think I just stepped aside and detached um, from the fear around what would people say, what would people think because I just knew that it could help other people. And when you come from that place, I guess that soul place of um, helping other people through sharing of your story, knowing that it comes from a place of do do no harm, it's, it's, uh, you, you can't really go wrong. You know, for, for me, it's about that advocacy around young patients with bowel cancer. It's about helping uh, to normalize the conversations around the, the challenges that we face in our re- recovery um, through our identity challenges, body image, self-esteem, the challenges with parenting relationships. It's all normal. And just finding that space where we can have um, real talk is really important to me for other patients, but also for clinicians, because I think as clinicians, we often don't get that um, unique perspective of consumers who are also healthcare professionals. Um, And I think there needs to be more of an avenue for that. Um, as, as a different way of learning about how, how we can better deliver care.
0: Oh my gosh, I could not agree more with that in so many ways. And even just sort of thinking more broadly about marketing and developing an audience really relies on them being able to see themselves in your journey, right? Yeah. Like that's the whole reason people follow along. It's not because they like your color scheme, it's because. <laughs> they can see something of themselves in you and if we don't share about ourselves whether that's just showing up on camera through to really bravely and boldly sharing our story as you have done that's what people are craving
1: yeah i think so and that that's a lot of the feedback that i get um i get uh feedback think thank you for for sharing the behind the scenes um, stories about cancer that many people don't know uh, thank you for um, I feel like when you're talking on your posts or in your blogs or articles that you're, you're actually talking to me um, and what an amazing uh, compliment to, to have that feedback and I think it's through being a clinician that I can see how important it is to really understand what people People think. And of course, my story um, isn't everyone else's story. And that's why I will go out to our cancer community and ask them for their feedback. And I will um, share their feedback anonymously with their permission Mm. to make sure that we're also seeing other people's perspective. So a lot of people will say, "I wish I knew this information earlier. Um, I wish I knew that it was okay to feel this way because in the acute care setting, you know it's it's very uh, time limited in terms of the face-to-face information. There, there's only so much you can cover in an appointment. Um, there are key things that we have to get through in those appointments. but but also, from the patient's perspective, there's only so much that you take in in those appointments. So having, I guess, all of these different tools and resources as a patient throughout your recovery journey and beyond
0: is really helpful. Absolutely. It it seems like, Sally-Ann, that um, we haven't talked specifically about what you're creating now because of all of these experiences, and we'll get to that in a minute, but... It really seems as though everything you're building now from the one-to-one or the group or advocacy is predicated and created through your story
1: yeah. like
0: everything your story is just running through the veins of everything that you're doing now.
1: Yes and I think. Um, obviously, through having my own experience, I look at it with the clinical hat on. I look at it as the consumer, and I can see uh, how how I can improve it for other people. And I guess that's a, a skill that I have um, pre my diagnosis is that I'm quite process driven, and I can look at a process and I can see where the missing links are or where. Um, we could perhaps tighten things here to to make it easier for people and that's a big part of me anyway (laughs) and you know combining all of that uh, and I listen so part of a um, I guess a great toolkit for all clinicians is to really be able to listen and hear what people are saying so I step back and I um, taking what the community at large is saying, not just with bowel cancer, with a whole range of different cancers. Um, and I can often see, well, there's a gap here. There's a gap here. I'm hearing this multiple, multiple times from different people all across Australia. Um, it's important. And to me, quality survivorship care in cancer is essential to improve people's quality of life and it's as simple as that giving people um, information that is uh suits their needs that's comprehensive delivered in a way that they can um, digest it easily from the beginning of their diagnosis through treatment and beyond is just critical and i know that we can help make people's life a whole lot better (laughs)
0: Yeah, change their entire experience of a a very clinical, dry, terrifying journey into something that feels a lot more human.
1: Yeah. Yeah, that's a really good way to put it. And I think a lot of the reflection um, processes that I went through was about, in terms of my why, it's about I would think, well, if I'm finding this so difficult, uh, if I have all of these questions, how is everyone else doing that? and that's my nursing side of me that nurturing side of me i i guess that wants to come come out and just help other people and it doesn't have to be hard you know i think we 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 can do it relatively easily
0: yeah yeah i i hear that and we tend to have i don't know if it's the nature of the beast of being a health professional but we tend to have these tendencies towards overcomplicating mm-hmm. <laughs> otherwise very simple things
1: yeah <laughs> and because
0: we yeah. deal with complicated right we deal with complicated things all of the time whether it's the human psyche or the human body they're complicated but our solutions to human complications don't have to be complicated
1: yes I, I really agree and I think um there's there are a whole lot of red tape that I think um, we can break down. Uh, still, obviously, keeping people safe and making sure that that content is evidence-based is, is really important. Um, but I think the drive for that perfectionism or, you know, it has to be perfect before we get it done um, often stops us or we have to have these 75 things li- lined up before we actually press go. Um, I think just taking steps in the right direction, making sure it's based on what people are asking for, what the community is saying that they need uh, is just really helpful and just allowing ourselves um, permission to tweak as we go along so we might not hit the uh, target straight away, but as long as we are are adaptable and flexible to what people need, then, then we can't go wrong.
0: Yeah, you've just hit on one of my favourite mantras that I attempt to lovingly beat into all of my coaches, which is action creates clarity. We don't have to get it right the first time. It doesn't have to be perfect as long as you are going.
1: Yes. Yeah. No, I love that. And um, I wish I was more like that in my business. (laughs) I'm I'm getting there. Um, But it's certainly a really important
0: mantra. Yeah, absolutely. How has your life changed um, since sort of moving out of four years ago you, version of you, pre-cancer diagnosis into all of the things you're doing now with all of these experiences under your belt? How has your life changed?
1: Uh, Life for us um, is really good. We have a different, a, a new perspective, a more informed perspective um, cancer has allowed myself and my husband, I guess, that really wonderful opportunity to focus on, um, you know, all of the cliches—the living for the now. What do we want to be doing? Um, what actually makes us happy? Letting those things that don't serve serve us drop away. Um, not being so hard on ourselves. Uh, ad- attached to um, our outcomes in so much, I guess. Um, flurry and busyness, those sorts, sorts of things. So, I guess that's the more of the day to, to, to today. And of course, my work has changed. So, um, I'm uh, doing a lot of advocacy, as you mentioned. Um, I'm doing some consultancy, which, which is really fantastic um, to help, uh, I guess, develop really great su- survivorship programs for cancer patients. And I'm stepping now into that space of, um, I guess, that coaching role where for women who are ready to step into to that next phase of life, particularly after they've finished their, their treatment, um, some people like to connect before they've started treatment just to identify, I guess, priorities that they should be aware of in, in their re- recovery. But, but really for women, what do they want to be doing now um, after they've been through such a monumental life change and ha- helping
0: women in that way. Yeah. What, what does that look like from a practical perspective? So in terms of your packages or your offers, how are you packaging that up?
1: So um, to begin with, that's a one, one-to-one um, coaching session, so I guess more of a VIP-type uh, scenario, where women re- reach out to me for some one-to-one coaching and we would do that on a weekly or a fortnightly basis. Um, into the future, I'm looking at more of a group membership package as well and that's something that's sort of coming. But I guess what I'm really enjoying at the moment, Haley, is just sort of feeling out and allowing myself that flexibility and as, as you've just mentioned, you know, not knowing being okay with not knowing how it's all going to completely look that entire business model before I get started. So um, I'm really actually excited to see the feedback, what people want moving forward. Uh, A big part of my learning has been um, that a lot of the traditional um, cancer forums and groups had focused on managing, for example, uh, the really tricky challenges that treatment um, brings rather than that next phase uh, which is what am I going to do now with my life and that's where I really think that there's uh, a really great gap that I would love to work with women on um, all of the forums that exist at the moment are so fantastic and really um, help people during those really tough times because when you can contact some- someone else who's been through that journey um, that's incredibly helpful so it's that next phase
0: really I feel very excited about what you're doing now and the next phase. What's in, in in your wildest dreams? What do you see this becoming and blossoming into? Oh,
1: that's a really um. I I, I love that, and I think about that all the time with my visualizations. Um, and I, I guess in that advocacy front, a massive uh role that I feel that I have is helping Australia to have bowel care nurses. So right now here in Australia, we have breast care care nurses. Most of your listeners will be familiar with the amazing McGraw nurses. We have prostate nurses. We have leukemia nurses, lymphoma nurses, lung cancer nurses. Um, But Australia, um, in terms of bowel cancer, bowel cancer is Australia's second deadliest cancer. I'm just going to let that sink in. Wow. Bowel cancer is Australia's second deadliest cancer, yet we don't have that specialised nursing care and support. And with the specialised nursing care and support, there is so many wonderful things that stem off from that, including the raising awareness, so help, helping people to identify symptoms early in terms of great support during treatment. And then beyond in terms of that quality survivorship care, like I keep talking about, that's so important. Because a lot of the, I guess, the the side effects of cancer, people notice them um, for months and years on. And that's why it's really important that we do have that dedicated support and care from trained professionals who are are experts in, in that space to help. Our, you know, tens of thousands of Australians who are now living with bowel cancer. Um, so that's that's where I'd like to see the advocacy work go um, from the national big big picture. Um, in terms of um, my one to one or my group mentorship, um, I'd really like to expand more in terms of the, um, I guess that that VIP coaching. So for women who want that I guess that cheerleader, that person to work with them, particularly around those additional mindset tools. Um, so I, I would be I guess an, another um, professional in the person's team. So we all uh, in ca- cancer care we need specialists, doctors, nurses, allied health, psychologists, um, dietitians, n- nutritionists. So when the person is finished, I, I guess going through that journey, and they're ready for that next phase and they want that strong foundation mindset to go to the next chapter, that's where I'd, I'd like to, I guess, fit in. Um, and, Haley, I've also just published my first book, which has been very exciting.
0: Congratulations. <laughs> Thank
1: you. Um, so that book is called A Woman's Guide to Navigating the Invisible Cancer Load, And in my book, I unpack my story and my experience as a healthcare professional and mom of two little boys um, navigating my own cancer recovery. And I share wonderful words of wisdom from our cancer community um, in terms of their hot tips and advice and then advice from the experts. So I have a medical oncologist, finance experts, um, a GP who specialises in mind- mindfulness. So a whole lot of amazing experts who've worked with me to create key chapters about how to make a cancer recovery easier and giving people information up front so, that, so they can really help to get, get that right
0: care and support er- early on. Yeah. I am so excited to read your book, but how you have so concretely like you can really tell from the way that you speak you've put a lot of hours in in terms of visualizing where you would like this to go and really committing to the mission yeah which is just mind-blowing
1: yeah thank, thank you Hayley I think um like I've described it and when I say it I I always feel like this sounds really corny but I just I do have this um really important drive you, you know and I would never say that cancer was a blessing for me um I don't think I'm quite there yet but I will always say that I'm so grateful incredibly grateful of the lessons and this new path that I've been moved on to and um Working in a space that uh, it really is something that's part of my life. Um, it's such a big part of my uh, who I am now and my identity, I think. Um, I have this real call, calling, I guess, there's this drive to help people in this way. Um, and I know that it's not just in the one-to-one or the group space. I, I know it's more broad broadly and the way that I can do that is through um, changing the, the way that we do, deliver care more broadly.
0: Yeah. Gosh, you're so inspirational. <laughs> I know that lots of people listening will be equally as inspired as I am listening to your journey and how things unfolded and your use of story and being able to listen more than you speak and all of these wonderful things that they're just going to, people are just going to be like nuggets, 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 all of these amazing nuggets they're taking out of it. But I'm wondering if you have any advice that you could impart on clinicians who may be listening to this, sort of sitting there in in the game of waiting, like I can't do it yet, or I'm not sure if I can, or I don't know what I have. I, I don't know if I have what it takes. Do you have any advice for that
1: I think if you have a massive passion and you have advice, skills, expertise that you know that you can help people more broadly, you need to act. Uh, And to do that, the first step I would say would be to get a mentor. That's really, really important. And to create space. So, if you um, allow yourself that little bit of capacity, get the right guidance and support, you will be able to start to take the steps on your next mission, um, and just go. You know that um, done is better than perfect, and taking steps and the the universe rewards action taking. And how how do you um, take an idea that's a dream? or a goal and make it a reality and the only way that you're going to do that is through taking those steps Um, and just to being part of a community and having a mentor will help you to feel more supported and that's really important because it is quite uh, a lonely journey and you can feel quite um, disjointed in terms of what do I start, where do I prioritise, Uh, And it can feel all far too big. So if you can chunk it down with an expert who's been there, who's done that before, and to help you to, to focus, it will be a whole lot easier. And I guess as well, giving yourself permission like I've done is to not have to know all of the 85 steps and what the end product looks like. Because if you just start, I'm sure that whatever you do, when you finish, it will be far better than what you could have ever have imagined
0: yeah absolutely I could not agree more (laughs) beyond I love the saying beyond your wildest dreams because yeah you know often that is a in, in the grand scheme of things although things may go wrong in the process the end result is usually something out of this world
1: yes yeah it's amazing and I think just uh allowing yourself to Dream big, you know, dream big, but then start taking inspired action.
0: Yeah. Yes. And I don't want to get on a rant or a soapbox here, but I think as women in particular, that is something we really struggle with.
1: <laughs> yeah, we, we we do. And I think for clinicians as well, like mm. we discussed earlier when we've come through the um University face to face, very clinical environment. Uh, we don't know what else is out there. It's not a traditional space where on- entrepreneurs flourish. Um, it's not an industry that um, is always encouraging of new and dynamic ways. So to step out of what we know um, can be quite scary. So getting the, the support is really important. And I know Hayley, you're very across the APrA guidelines for example so just having someone to touch base with and talk to about those fears that that you have um, makes it a lot easier yes
0: a burden shared is a burden lessened or something like that some (laughs) some sort of saying that I think you're 100% right in that finding your collective group of people and a mentor it in my opinion is one of the it doesn't matter what strategy you have. It doesn't matter if you don't, if you're not surrounded by people who can cheerlead and lift you up in those times when you need it, you're not going to get anywhere. So I'm really glad you touched on that. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Where can people find you if they want to, like me, follow along with your incredible journey, your incredible mission? Where can they find you?
1: So my website is www.theawakenedmama.org uh instagram is the awakened mama wellness and Haley. i can give you those links as well and i'd love people to jump over and let us know that they've heard our episode and what they thought and um please re- reach out we'd love to hear from you thank you
0: oh you're welcome i, I really encourage everyone to jump on and follow along really in in ways of watching how you use that vulnerability in the story to really connect with your audience I think people get a lot from seeing that Um, as well as your beautiful brand colors I absolutely love your tiles I was saying that just before we jumped I'm like I love your tiles so much they're so nice Um, but I think they'll really get a lot out of it and I think at least from my perspective Sally Sally and you can when you hear from other clinicians of being inspired by you, doesn't it just make your day?
1: <laughs> oh, so exactly. I know. And I think um, I had a colleague read my book recently and she just walked up to me and said, Oh my goodness, you know, I I had no idea that this was the depth. Um in terms of the feedback that people were able to share. I hadn't thought of um some of the topics in this way. And just a real heartfelt thank you for sharing your your journey. And uh, she works in a space with cancer patients and um, she's just felt that it really helped her in the way that she looks after people and thinks about them more holistically. Um, And I guess that um, person behind the diagnosis, which is something that I talk about a lot, um, we're not our diagnosis, we're not our treatment plan, and Yeah, it was um, absolutely made my day. And equally, when I get the messages from patients and even carers um, who buy their book for um, someone in their their, their family, um, it's just,
0: it's so special. Yeah. I can imagine. You're doing incredible work in the world. I'm so very excited to see where this goes for you and how it continues to evolve and create. Uh, and unravel as you march forward in this amazing, incredibly needed mission. sally thank you so much for joining us. And we will make sure that we link all of the socials and your website and everything like that, as well as the book, um, which you'll probably have to send me the link for so I can link that in and so people can buy direct. We'll link all of that into the show notes. Thank you so much, Sally-Anne. I hope we can have you on at some point again in the future to talk more about how things are continuing to unfold. Oh, thank you so much for having me. What a fantastic interview. That was great. Thank you. Thanks so much for joining me for the Therapist Rising podcast. We publish new episodes every Wednesday. If you're loving this content and it speaks to you, please be sure to head over to subscribe and give us a rating and a review it would mean the world to us we will see you next time for the therapist rising podcast